0: I was lost, the treaty signed, I was not caught, I crossed the line, I was not caught, though many tried, I live among you, well disguised, I had to leave, my life behind, I dug some graves, you'll never find, the stories told, with facts and lies have a name but never mind
1: never mind never mind i have to leave my life behind. hi everyone and welcome back to this legion quickie i was about to say another legion quickie and um, which it is but this one is the legion quickie so you know, disregard all the other Legion Quickies, except the ones for previous episodes of this, because you kind of need to listen to them to get to hear. Um, if I've confused you completely, then chances are you've been watching True Detective as well, because that is a confusing show. Um, season 2 has been, uh, fair to say, um, a, a, an, an interesting hodgepodge of uh, nonsense and intrigue. And um, we've been working our way through each episode, and we're up to the penultimate episode now. This is episode seven. I am Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs, and Duncan and Bo come correct. And I'm joined, obviously, by my, my associate, my colleague, my compadre, Mr. Bo Ransdell. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. Uh,
2: I, I wish I, I had said mysterious. Uh, you right, because we're doing detective talk yeah um, but uh yeah no doing real well i i'm excited uh it i'm almost a little saddened by the fact that you know we only get to do this this time and one more time and yeah uh it's been it's been enjoyable
1: it has been that uh, we don't the the respective shows that we're on we very seldom get the opportunity to really delve in and discuss tv um which uh, for anyone that has been paying any attention to anything out there will know we are pretty much in the golden age of television right now there's so many incredible shows doing really interesting things and pushing the boundaries and true detective last year as we both said right at the start was the show that was the standout show um it was so much better than anything i'd ever seen um until that point, in terms of just the character development, the way the story was formatted, the the way that when each episode finished, I I would have slipped my mother's throat to get an advanced preview of the next episode. That was a bold statement, wasn't it? And the crowd went, yeah,
2: yeah, no, you it. Ah, uh, well, but we're we're kind of on the cusp here because. Yeah. We're recording this fairly close to to the airing of the final episode, mm-hmm. and in a weird way, this this serves as either a a referendum on how I viewed this particular episode we're about to discuss,
0: uh-huh.
2: um, or you are going to turn my head around, uh, and then I'm going to get on board with it. But I I find that difficult to believe.
1: Yeah, well, this is the we were speaking just off air, just before we hit the record button, ladies and gentlemen, and um, this will be the first of the episodes in the seasons where I, I, I believe myself and Bo are coming in completely at different points of view, and I will just say upfront and honest, I love this episode. Um, this was this is kind of the the second half of this season has been building satisfyingly to me um towards this last episode um and i have my theories i, I you know obviously my my big theory this week got uh, got crushed um which was uh, paul is not the killer um although let, let's be honest chad might still be the killer we don't know just putting that out there
2: um, yeah, I still think that is a reasonable, at this stage, <laughs> a reasonable possibility.
1: So, so basically, um, yeah, th- this, this is the second last episode. And for those that recall, episode six finished with our characters making a raid on one of these exclusive parties. Um, Annie very very satisfyingly it took out a, a security guard with uh, some some knife work which she's been teasing all season um, meanwhile Paul and Ray uh, took down some guards and uh, Paul managed to break in and steal some very sensitive documents detailing the plans that Catalyst has and all the players involved um, and this episode pretty much takes off right from when the previous episode finished. So we join our, our characters, uh, Ray, Annie and Paul have now uh, kind of relocated to this kind of dingy motel um, out in the sticks. And um, they are working through the paperwork while well, Paul's working through the paperwork. And he starts to notice some familiar names at the bottom. Um, Tony Chizani, uh the son of the mayor is uh, is is involved in quite a bit of purchase the Russian mobster guy whose name is quite difficult to pronounce i can't remember it's like ooh. yeah
2: uh hold on hold on I'll, I'll i'll pull us out of this tailspin um <laughs> it is Ossip Ossip uh Ossip yeah, yeah. agranov yeah
1: yeah so uh, he he is the other big player and um Basically, what we have is we have him going through all this work while being text from his uh, from his uh, fiance asking where he is, um, and in the other room we have Annie who's still out her face on the the drugs she was given um, at the party, um, and we have Ray who is doing what Ray does best and that is looking glum and drinking,
2: and. Um, God bless him for it, too. He does both of those things so, so
1: well. He does. Like, once again, uh, I think the thing about this episode, and this is maybe one of the points later on where we will disagree, but I am I am now completely invested in every one of the main characters. I'm completely invested. Even Paul, who I was struggling with for a while, I was invested in that character. Um,
2: as I said in a previous episode, he did the most interesting thing he could do as a character
1: yeah but i think the way he went out was was really interesting you know i mean like when that happened uh, we'll get to it yeah all right
2: all right right. we'll we'll, we'll carve up our knives and just wait for the (laughs) time to strike
1: (laughs) yeah so um so there's a couple of big major story points here and I don't want to like the last couple of weeks I've been walking you through all the individual aspects of the episode I'm going to focus on the main points because there was a lot that happened in this episode um so basically we'll go we'll look at each of our characters right so uh Ray now being probably the most level headed of the three which is a scary fucking thought um because Ray has like basically he's become like he is the, he is the like the the main detective now Even though he doesn't work with the police, he seems to, for whatever reason, since he found out about his, uh, about the guy who uh, really raped his wife, um, and since he really set up this deal with um, Frank to get the name of the person who gave him the wrong uh, name to go after which basically set his life on this path of self-destruction he has had a, a clarity and purity of thought, he's very single minded, he knows what the mission is and that's where he's heading so he's kind of like our he's the most stable one um, Annie, in the previous episode we saw her have a flashback to being molested, we find that in this episode that she was abducted for four days Um and this is really what's fucked her up this is what's really made her you know um 50% of the you know the 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 world out there um is bigger than me that i need to be able to defend myself um and so, so she's she's a bit messed up and she was on drugs as well uh, and paul it's very quiet. Trying to do police work, but obviously he's he's battling his own inner demons. And um, like Frank, we're going to follow quite a lot. But Frank was like incredibly interesting in this episode. I loved Frank in this episode.
2: Absolutely, Frank is far and away the best part of this episode for me.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it's deliberately set up that way. To be to be fair, I think because we're finally getting we're finally getting the 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 kind of pathos here, the 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 reward. Um, for seeing Frank basically be fucked over in every single episode up to this point, even in this episode, he is royally fucked by everyone. Can we and can then, we
2: can we pause to to repeat the greatest line of the episode? I think.
1: Oh, he had a few. So go for it. Uh, the
2: it, it's when he says, "You know, uh, I've been I've been spending so much time getting fucked by other people." I decided to make a new orifice of myself orifice. and fuck myself for a change.
1: <laughs> which is brilliant. So it's so, oh, so like, good. I, I, like, he's... I, he's a, I think Vince Vaughn... I've said it before. I really actually, I'm really i really enjoying like the cast uh, this year. I'm really enjoying Vince Vaughn getting a chance to do something which he looks like he's taken very seriously. And that is something which... You know, a lot of people maybe questioned he had the ability to do. I've always said that I think he's a. I he got stuck in a rut. He did what was very easy, but if you look at his early early part of his career, he was an interesting actor, and he's shown it again here. So um, yeah, so we have our our three investigators, uh, who are now looking for their next move, and the next move is to make sure that that information that they have accumulated, which links Chisani's son, um, that Osip guy. Uh, they're basically buying out Casper's shares for a cheaper sum of money. They're divvying it up. So the the early hypothesis here was that they had you know killed Casper to get the shares. So basically they were behind it, and that's certainly the message that Ray takes to Frank. So he sits down with Frank and tells him, right, and you get this great sequence of because Frank Frank is now lost pretty much everything really he's now having to concede to the mexicans who are going to start running drugs through his his um casino and there's nothing he can do about that because he made a deal in good faith and they kind of fucked him well they played him at his own game really and fucked him out of it um and they have this conversation where ray lays it out to him that blake is the guy who is basically setting up all these connections um this awesome guy is Pretty much muscling in everywhere he can muscle in. Um, there's a deal between um Chisani's son, um Ossip, and Catalyst, uh, to get rid of his money basically. What his investment would have been, um. to to buy these shares, they're basically divvying them up and selling them off for for a marked-in price just to get that sold off to people who are working against Frank's interests. And, um, obviously, Blake is the name, which is... Blake's the one that is the betrayer. We've known this for a wee while, but now we get the final. that Blake has helped these guys basically muscle in on what you wanted to be as your legacy, your opportunity to go straight. is Blake's fault. And, um... Frank takes it interestingly, would you say, Bo? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of ask Ray to let himself out. Yeah, it's their
2: relationship is funny to me. Like, that scene in particular uh, is is sort of an odd callback to the conversation that they have in the bar Mm -hmm. in in one of the earlier episodes. I can't remember, like, two or three, somewhere in that neighborhood. But it's when any time that Ray presumes to be more personal... Or something with Frank, it gets a little sketchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Frank doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and when he's ultimately revealed to be the killer, that will be the reason why. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, his character is interesting because he doesn't seem to have a high tolerance, you know, for, certainly for bullshit, but also for people who he deems a threat or potentially a threat taking advantage of him. Yeah. Uh, And I think that in a weird way, he sees Ray as kind of, yes, he's a friend, but he's also this guy who's maybe a little bit sharper, especially these days than he might like him to be.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, he's, you know, he ultimately has always been using Ray and is continuing to use Ray because he wants him to track down this hard drive, Um, which will allow him to buy back into Catalyst. Well, that was certainly the premise leading up into this episode. So we have an interesting conversation there. Um, We follow Paul in this episode a bit more. Um, Paul starts receiving some text messages with some photos of the night he blacked out with his former um, Black Mountain friend. um, And it looks like he's being blackmailed by someone and this is playing quite heavily on his mind and rightly so because uh, they basically threatened that they will send these photos to his fiance and they went as far as phoning her as well uh, just to put the the, the shitters up on and um he is keeping this to himself very much to himself he's not letting anyone else know because he doesn't want that that information out so he's juggling quite a lot and he takes the threat so seriously that he moves his fiance and her mother to a motel <laughs> and basically tells him this is where you're staying until things are over under the guise of something has went wrong in his current assignment that they need to be away and i know you're not a big fan of this character i started to feel for him in this episode i really started to feel because like like it's said later on this uh everything he's going through is something which he has brought upon himself because he can't be true to himself um and i i, I quite like that because that's really his issue in there because we have these three broken cops and you know, one is you know, one has done work for the mob and is like a, a like a shell of a man. The other one has apparently slept with half the police force and uh is a bit stabby. And um our third one, kind of. I, I do like the word stabby. Yeah, she's like a, just a wee bit stabby. I love the fact that our. our I love one of my favourite sequences was when we are first reintroduced to her character at the beginning of this episode and she's talking about she's obviously still high and she's talking about what she did to the guard and she says that she's waited a lifetime to do that and there's something quite creepy about that is that she's she's obviously on some level she is full of remorse because she's killed someone but at the same time there's this kind of aura of euphoria about her that she has finally managed to do the one thing that she's been kind of training to do for a long time so it's like a cross between um exhilaration and regret kind of the equal measure and obviously she drifts off and mentions about the woods briefly uh to ray and when ray tries to press her on it she's not interested and then she tries to use sex to cover things up and Ray kind of knocks her back. I love the idea of Ray basically saying in here. You know, you're out of my league. <laughs> so, like, like, what are you doing? Look at me. I'm, I'm old. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm about five minutes away from a stroke or a heart attack. You're a bit. You know, you know what I mean? You're, you're kind of out of my league. I would have sex with you if I didn't think I'd be clutching my heart afterwards and trying to try to breathe and fighting off a cardiac arrest. We'd be doing it right now, and. I, like Ray being, and he is a kind of stand-up guy, I know he says he's a bad guy quite a lot, and that's why she calls him on it at the end of the episode, but he is he, he, the guy does have, like, a weird set of morals, and her her doing that dialogue, that delivery of the fact that you know, she has, she's been training with these knives constantly all the time she's been talking the talk, Bo, uh and in the last episode she walked the walk
2: yes, yes, she did get some would call it stabby Uh, in that episode. Um, (laughs) okay. So here's the beginnings of my problems with the, the episode at hand. Go for it. Okay. So this initial scene where, you know, uh, Rachel McAdams character, Annie has been sort of strung out. She has been, uh, you know, put through the ringer because of this recent revelation, sort of a self-revelation about, you know, things that had happened to her in the past Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's this awkward, come on. Yeah. You know, and Ray, of course, does the right thing where he's like, look, this is not a great idea. Um, You know, for obvious reasons, A, your drug, B, it sounds like you are dealing with some heavy shit right now. Yeah. So, you know. I there's some question in my mind, I guess, you know, as the, the scene goes on, whether or not he might have capitulated at a certain point, but mm-hmm. of, you know, of course they don't have the time to do so, but I felt like, I felt like this scene is fine. Okay. It's, it's Ray proving, Hey, he's a decent guy. He's not going to take advantage of someone who is intoxicated and or emotionally distraught. Mm-hmm. Everything I need from this scene. And, yep. and we're done. So I, I only emphasize that because in the later scene, I was literally saying, what the hell is happening on this show right now? So, but anyway, keep going. I just want to make it right. clear. I feel like this scene was, if not necessary, at least completely justified. Right. And that's it. That's it. That's oh, all I want to say yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done. I'm done. i was just go on. Go on go on with your little summary there, Duncan. I'm I'm just setting the stage so that when later on I say some crazy things <laughs> about immigration and no no. Um <laughs> later on when I say some crazy things I'm about going to Rosie O'Donnell. Ugh. Poor lady.
1: It is Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So um so we have those, like we have those kinds of, we don't have a lot of Ray in this episode actually, Ray is, is kind of shunted back and I'm quite cool with that because like I say the story pushes a lot of other things on. So um, Frank has uh, has basically decided that you know he needs to speak to Blake and we're going to get on to the Blake sequence soon which is possibly my favourite scene in this episode. I fucking love the Blake scene. Um but yeah, so it's so great, yeah uh, it's fucking amazing. So um Annie is now uh she she goes out she basically gets in touch with her dad and takes him back the picture and you know the picture of them all hanging out at the Chisani Lodge when they were all kids. And, you know, she's trying to tie up the connection and her dad's been very Kind of, you know, oh, it was a different time, man. We're all peace, love, and you know, like, <laughs> like, totally ish about it. And um, but said that even back then, certain people had certain agendas, etc. It's not his proudest moment of his life. And w- w- what we do in this episode is we start to remove aspects which we don't need for the next episode. So this this episode is really compartmental. Compartment. I can't say the word. com. Oh, why can I not say that word? Compartmentalised
2: is that what are That's the to one. I,
1: that's the one I'm trying to say, but for whatever reason, my tongue is not allowing me to. It's it's removing any additional um, ancillary characters out the way. Uh, so so like her dad and the sister are out the way. They go off. They're they're being sent away because that is something that someone could use to draw Annie out. Um, Paul. He gets rid of his his um fiance and her mother to a motel, so they are out the way they cannot be used as as tools against him later on um Ray doesn't have anyone, so he's like raised to the side just now, but this episode is is stacking things up. For the last episode, which every penultimate episode of every show should do, it should start to to rearrange the pieces in such a way that there is a clear through road as to how the next episode is going to go, um, and it starts to make those moves. Frank, on the other hand, is 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 a bit pissed off. Is that fair to say, Bo? And um, decides that what he needs to do is sit down and talk to his uh, his buddy Blake, and Blake comes in and uh, i mean frank knows what happened the night before because ray has already told him and he comes in with this brown envelope with 15 grand in there because he had a good night last night with the the girls and all the rest and um you know like i, I love frank i love the i actually really love the dialogue in this sequence because frank is basically frank basically says to him you know um, that thing about uh, you know the difference between a, a, like a, a pimp and a and a prostitute is that you know even a prostitute on some level I has respect because they they still have morals, but you know the, a pimp doesn't. And um, you know Blake's like, oh well you know try to brush it off and all the rest. You maybe you can shunt me, shunt me up the ladder a bit more to, to like, like a higher job for you or or whatnot. And um, Frank's basically like, well you know I've been kicked out of the gutter. There is nowhere for you to go. And he calls him out about it. He basically says, you killed Stan, you know, you know, but why did you kill Stan? And you obviously mutilate the eyes, which has been a, an an issue for me for a while is that the Stan death felt a bit weird. Can we agree on that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of just general information kind of packed into this whole episode. And it yeah. comes real fast and furious, but the stuff with Blake in particular, and when you get to, like, well, here's what happened with, uh, with Nate Wright, is that the name of our, the, the guy that Blake killed? Stan. Stan, Stan, Stan yeah. I'm sorry. So, yeah, so the thing with Stan is, you know, I mean, it makes sense, I suppose, but it's such a rush for something that, yeah, you know, well, but you mentioned this in an earlier episode that people just weren't talking about Stan all that much.
1: Well, that is it. No one was, and the, the first, no one was talking about Stan. And then we had that revelation in the last episode where Frank and his, his partner had sat down and spoke to Stan's, basically, she's a widow now. And, um, she had mentioned that Blake had been rimmed and had been a bit too kind of nosy with his questioning of her. Had he said anything? You know, had he been doing something or whatever? And obviously Frank has joined those dots up a while ago, and he knows that Blake has killed Stan, and he basically knows that he mutilated the eyes to make it look like it was linked to Casper. Um, and uh, yeah, he basically calls him on it, and uh, Blake tries to weasel out it, and then we get this fantastic slow motion scene of Frank smashing his glass, his glass full of whiskey, right into Blake's face, and then Blake gets fucked up. Um so he's he's kind of snivelling on the, the floor and you know we have Frank behind him pushing his face in it broken glass. He he lifts him up, slams his face into a wall, um puts his hands around his throat and Blake spills his guts. And he, he calls out everything that's happening. Basically, all the clubs are gone now. This Russian guy now owns them from under Frank's nose. He's bought into them all. And no one's going to say anything because he's bought off all those people as well. And not only that, he's buying Casper's uh, shares to the Catalyst thing. So this guy's the future. And yeah, he helped him. But this has been something that's been happening for a while now. And Frank never saw it coming because Frank was trying to get out of it. And yeah, they've screwed him over and all the rest. And Frank decides he's had enough. And just as he's looking like he's going to strangle the life, uh, Blake, Blake says, listen, there's a big money deal going down. This is where they're going to transfer the the cash of $12 million to buy Casper shares. It's all going to happen down at this place. And um, Frank looks like he's going to show him some mercy. And then Blake throws forward the suggestion that he could be his inside man. Yeah, he could triple, triple cross. cross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which I mean, which is it's basically you know, would you would it's like marrying the person you, marrying the person who had an affair with you that was married before. Would you ever really trust him again? No, <laughs> you know right?
2: Yeah, exactly. It's why would I trust? I mean, yes, he's backed in a corner and is in a position. Blake, I mean. That yeah. it would be in his own best interest to be this spy for Frank. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Like, how do you trust somebody like that? It's the same reason they, you know, killed the girl in the previous episode. She talked to the cop. She can't be trusted. Yeah. So, can't,
1: can't, can't be trusted. So, yeah. um, Frank kind of lets him go, asks him if there's anything else he wants to say, and obviously mentions a triple cross. And Frank puts him down. Bullet right in the stomach. And then sits back and watches him die. But we get this really interesting revelation just before that, where we find out that it was Blake that gave the name to Frank for um, Ray's character. That this, this guy who basically, some meth dealer who was trying to extort money out of Blake. That's why the name was given to Ray as the person that raped his wife. So uh, there's a couple of things that this throws up. Um, the, the, The first big thing this throws up is we now know it was Blake that was behind that. The second big thing it throws up, though, is that Frank has denied Ray that justice. The thing he has promised him for the last two episodes is I will give you the name. I will give you the name of the person that has done this. And Frank has removed any justice that Ray will now have to question Blake on that. He's taken that away from him. She's so basically stripped him of his vengeance, which I would imagine is not gonna settle well with Ray. When Ray finds out.
2: Yeah, maybe not. Uh it it kind of depends on, in my mind, on how much Ray is invested in the idea of I want to get even with this guy who gave me a bad name. Yeah. Versus I now know that that wasn't the guy, the real guy is in prison, I've already paid my visit to him. You know, it could. I could see a scenario in which Frank just says, "Like, oh yeah, it turns out Blake is the guy that gave me that name. Here's why he did it. You know, it, as yeah. he confessed it to me, and then I straight up shot that fool."
1: Yeah, but I don't. I, but the the way I see it, and the only reason I say this is when they're having a conversation at the the the, the gambling table. Um, Ray says, "Are you going to get that name for me?" Um, and he says, "Yeah." Yes, and it basically races him in no uncertain terms, you know, cause technically you're still a suspect on that list. This name is what I need to make sure that I don't think that Frank set me up all along. And now Frank's going to go back to him and tell him that Blake was the guy that did it and Blake is now dead, which to me sounds like quite a convenient thing to come away with oh by the way yeah. the guy the guy you're looking for is now dead and i get that i just have this feeling that ray's not going to be happy with this Paul. i just get this feeling that it might set him on edge because he's doing all this stuff for frank just now on the proviso that he gets his name at the the end now why would you know he didn't he wants to speak to the guy he obviously wants and i just think that that might not go down well just putting that out there um, so Frank moves into like high gear And is basically planning his exit strategy So he visits some uh, if it, We're just doing stereotypes here He visits a Jewish jeweller um, <laughs> And um, they have a conversation about How he's going to get rid of this 12 million for diamonds um, And obviously the the, the jeweller at first plays it very legit with him you know, it seems like you're trying to get rid of money very quickly, and we don't do that. And Frank drops a name, as someone knows, and then basically says, what's your cut? And they say 40%. But Frank has to come alone, and those two large, burly-looking Jewish men, uh, security guards, will be there as well, just in case he tries any funny business. So he does right. that, he visits... He visits the, the 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 Turkish cafe. He speaks to those guys and basically sets up for fake passports um, and uh, new cars to get away. And explains the situation that Russians are going to own this town soon. But I've got a way to block that. I need to help me. And uh, I love that line where he's like that. Uh, My boats come in and they ask him. They ask him who's. You know, who's who's driving the boat and Frank doesn't answer them. Um he makes a visit to travel agents, buys two two tickets to Venezuela, um which we're assuming is for him and his his partner, possibly. Um so he does that. And I, I, I'll I'll lead up to a bit, but then I'm going to cut off because then Frank's character gets really quite interesting. There's loads to talk about. Well, all right. So b- yep. before we do that, can we?
2: uh, I, I feel like we have done short shrift with his conversation with Jordan after he kills Blake.
1: Yeah, that's that's that, that's yeah yeah that's sorry yeah because that's a really good scene. I really I really enjoyed that scene because we see he's like he almost he kind of introduces Jordan fully to the basically who Frank is, and, um, she isn't repelled by it.
2: Yeah, well, and that's the big question, like, their relationship, I, w- I wish the Jordan we had in this scene was the Jordan we'd had since, like, episode three, or I something, agree. you know? I agree, yeah, yeah. Uh, because she's great in this scene, but, yeah, so we've had the this kind of simmering idea that, that Frank and Jordan are their relationship is in turmoil because of the loss of the money and his loss in, in, you know, power and standing. And, Mm -hmm. um, are they going to stay together? Are they not going to stay together? She's not able to have kids. What's going to go on with that? And all that stuff was kind of tossed aside. And it came down to, again, one of my favorite lines from the episode where, uh, initially, um, you know, uh, uh, Frank's other guy, his bodyguard, is like, "Hey, Jordan's here. You want me to, you know, keep her away from this?" And Frank says, "No, no, no. Let her come in." Mm-hmm. And and so she, uh, as soon as she enters, it's pretty clear there's a dead body on the floor because <laughs> it's. To be honest, you gotta you gotta place the the rug just right for that to cover up. <laughs> and and Frank uh, Frank's first words to her to her are, "Well, here we are under the bright lights." Yeah, and I love that line because it's it's like yeah, all that stuff that we said about you sticking by me or me sticking by you. This is it. This is where shit gets raw. There's a yeah. dead body on the floor. I killed him. Yeah, and, and basically
1: he tells them that you know they're coming for him. Right, he's you know. muscled out the last of what they had because earlier on she asked him how much uh, money he can get together, and he's like two hundred thousand, maybe three hundred k. Um, and now he basically tells her that the last of what he's got is going to go. They're they're coming for everything, including him. And we have a pause. And like you say, this is the Jordan we've wanted for a while. I kind of felt like they'd spent too much time about the baby issue um, in previous episodes. And they've kind of put that to bed now. And I quite like the idea that's it's put to bed. And the first thing she says back to him is, what can I do to help? So she's now accepting fully of what Frank is um and you know she's she's now like you say everything's out and open now all the cards are on the table there's no getting away from it now that this is the they have one choice left there is no let's get our money and buy a ranch and settle down like they joked in previous episodes it's now kill or be killed
2: yeah yeah we the the shit is happening Mm-hmm. and yeah so I really really liked that whole scene I liked the relationship between Frank and Jordan I liked the fact that it was like okay we're we're in it we're in it together we're on board whatever you got to do that that's where we're headed you know and and of course propelling us towards this eventual heist kind of thing it seems like but anyway anyway so like I said I didn't mean to interrupt the summary of the show <laughs> but yeah. I I did want to pause a moment and talk about how good that scene was because it's a great scene yeah so later when i talk about how i think some of these scenes are kind of dog shit um <laughs> and that's i'm sorry that's a scientific term i not mean to get hoity-toity there but uh um i i just want that to be clear that yes there are things about this episode much like this whole season th- this episode encapsulates for me both the good and bad of true detective season 2 um right. in in many ways so anyway all right continue sir
1: right so uh moving on um paul's been getting a lot of text messages now threatening these pictures um are going to be given to his fiance he does a bit of investigation at the police station finds out that Annie's on the wanted list for the murder um, that she did on the guard Um, he he finds out that there is a connection between a series of cops and our good buddy the the, the peeping Tom cop Dixon um, who was taking photos of him Uh, these guys are all connected to the Blue Diamond Heist which was mentioned in the previous episode uh, which left two kids orphans so the police were behind it all, and so was Casper. And Casper, at that point, worked in the police. Um, and after this event happened, the people involved suddenly got quite large promotions, all within Vinci, to six-figure salaries and places of power. And that was all done fairly quick. And Chisani's involved with that. He basically moved them about the place. But the the deal was that Casper should have got rid of the blue diamonds and he didn't. He kept a hold of them. So we have this the basically Annie liberated this missing woman who's been missing for the whole the whole season up to this point but the founder of the last episode. And she comes clean that she didn't take the photos It was the the kind of Ukrainian chick who casper was very fond of and she'd basically set up this whole system where she was going to take photos of people and blackmail them and she'd sent them to this woman's safe deposit box or secret delivery place or whatever they're called peel box or whatever um as a way of you know making sure that if she was caught and they took the, the copies off her she had copies of the copies um and she basically tells annie that one she didn't want to leave she was quite happy where she was but she fills in some of the blanks so basically she says that um yeah uh, th- this what happened to the ukrainian woman was what we saw in that cabin she got a bit too big for her britches she uh may have threatened some blackmail so she was taken away at a cabin never to be seen from again so she is the blood in, the, in yeah. the cabin they right. fucked her up pretty horribly um but there's a there's an interesting thing about one of the photos with casper so we have um we have the the ukrainian chick but we have this other chick known as laura um and that's what she, who she's identified for and we're going to speak about that in a little minute so basically um we jump forward to paul paul is Still getting these text messages, so we're going to deal with the Paul side of things right now and just get that out the way. So, um, Paul gets told he needs to be at a certain place at a certain time uh, because he's been blackmailed. He shows up and he sees one of his former Black Mountain buddies, uh, comrades. He phones up Ray, tells Ray, Listen, there's something going on, there's a secret I've not told anyone, and I might have to face it head on, you know. And, And Ray tells him not to. Um, but he tells him he will phone him back, he goes over, the the guy that he slept with, that he's photographed sleeping with, basically tells him that Black Mountain is no more, they are rebranded and working directly for Catalyst, so there's another connection back to Catalyst, and he takes him downstairs into these tunnels that run underneath um, the city, and... Our police dude's there, the the Vinci police dude, the the, the guy who's the, the two kind of high-ranking Vinci police officers, the black one is there, and he's obviously got his uh, his Black Mountain bodyguards with him, and he basically tells them that he knows that he's stolen the files, and um, the reason they got the photos is because Dixon had taken the photos, and Dixon was always quite good at sniffing it away to exploit people. That's why I took th- those photographs. Um and we are we're given this scenario we're basically blackmail paul and they say you know we we need you either give us the files or you tell us where ray and annie is and paul tries to play off that i can phone ray tell him to bring the files here it means nothing to me at all he's the one that told me to look up you and that annie she's a dyke and she ironically calling her a dyke if you know it's like it's a bit called you know calling the pot black to the kettle or yeah kettle yeah the the or pot calling bit, the
2: kettle black
1: yes yeah yeah it's it's a, I, I was kind of thinking you know really uh, is that what we're gonna do here and he's like I never really liked her and he, he's playing it all off a particular way but he can't get phone signal and he uses this as a distraction to get the cop's gun uh beats the shit out of him with with the barrel of the gun and then takes out all four members of of black mountain and i i like this sequence i know you're probably gonna hate it but um i can already feel the 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 the, the sarcasm
2: like the negativity just yeah. burning inside
1: me yeah yeah it's, I, I like i liked it because we've said paul's only purpose in this show only purpose in this show has been really to to give us action to give us gun action because that's where his character comes from and he takes down all the people pretty quick and he's going outside to warn ray and i'm i'm like that go and warn ray (laughs) finally finally we get to warn ray and he walks at the door and the other fucking police guy's hiding behind the door and shoots him and i'll be honest i i never expected this at all never expected it and um he gets shot he lumps over but he's like no not like this still crawling to try and get his gun. The cop puts a bullet in his head, takes his phone and leaves, and Paul is dead. And I was shocked by this. I actually, like, my house, you could have had a pin drop when it happened. And when, once I composed myself back up, about 30 seconds after the event happened, I turned around and said to my wife, Bo I'll be fist pumping right now. Fist pumping and he says, going, yeah, I, No, pump. no, no, no. Let's mm. not overstate it. Like, so it was like a mini fist pump. It was...
2: It was, oh yeah, Paul's dead. I guess I kind of called that a while back. It you was did. it was just as unimpressed. Like, the death of Paul highlighted for me that I cared so little about this character that even at the point where he did the thing I thought he should do, it still left me unimpressed. Um, I am
1: the exact opposite. I am the exact opposite. I actually felt... Like that character is right it's not he's not been handled the best now that can be from a writing point of view or it could be from an acting point of view i don't know exactly where the blame lies on that i don't think that character always to me felt like if you're going to have three main cops in the show you're gonna have four main characters, which we basically have. He was always the weakest link. He always felt like a bit of a secondary character, and we spent quite a bit of time with him when that story wasn't really moving anywhere. But the fact that he manages to finally be in a position where he is doing the right thing, kind of, even though he's modern folk, he's doing the right thing. He's clearing up things for him. Obviously, not the right thing in terms of he's hiding his secret again. Um, by killing the guards so that they don't release his picture so he can go back to living his fake life with his, his fiancée that he's not in love with and the kid that's coming which is going to be a dad to him maybe maybe um, but the fact that he manages to finally be in a position where he can phone up Ray to give them the information they need because Ray and Annie are down in their luck they're both wanted by the police they're in hiding um, they're trying to piece together as much of this information as possible and the fact that he is within reaching distance fingertip away from being able to do that and a cop shoots him in the back you know like the coward's way to take someone down um, and then kills him before he can get that message through to Ray I I felt I felt sorry for the guy. I felt sorry for the guy. I I felt like you are finally becoming the interesting character I want. You've just badassed out all these people. We're going to come in a final episode there's likely to be a shootout. You're just you're the sort of guy I want in that shootout. I I'm kind of, you know, I I built up the sympathy in the last two episodes that when his character was put down, I was just like uh, damn you, True Detective, for making me care about in these last two episodes, because you snatched it away from me.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, obviously didn't have that reaction. I, You know, just to further illustrate, like, why I think this scene... <laughs> this scene in particular is kind of a parallel in many ways to my overall feeling of this episode and this season thus far. Mm-hmm. Uh, assuming that episode eight comes out and is roughly the same quality... Um, although I would love it to just open with a musical number and they just bring out the cast members. Like we don't ever talk about the story again or Casper or Catalyst or anything. It's just like, and ladies and gentlemen, Colin Farrell is Ray. Let's bring him out here. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, and I would almost be more interested to be honest. Um, just because I wouldn't have no idea what to expect. Uh, okay. So, but My problem with this scene is, yeah, there are things about it that I liked. Um, I liked, you know, his buddy saying, hey, this would never happen if you were just honest. Yeah. And you would never be forced to be in this situation. I like that. Um, The action scene itself with him kind of whipping around and killing everybody is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, it's well executed, it's well shot, all that stuff. But I couldn't bring myself to care because I just haven't cared about this character and seeing him do the thing that as soon as, you know, he shows up at this, uh, Blackwater joint, uh, I was like, oh, well, they're going to murder him here.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, and, well, that's what I thought. So,
2: and, and, you know, and ultimately that's what happens. Doesn't happen exactly like you would expect, but you know, good on him for doing that. Um, but yeah, by the, by the time this all wraps up, I was just like, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, it's. On a narrative level, I guess it fulfills the question of you know you know, Paul's conflict and that he couldn't he couldn't survive his own inner demons and all that. But the and also now his mom and uh, fiance are just stuck in a motel room somewhere, uh, you know, staring at each other like a couple of goons until somebody finally figures out where they are, I guess, or they just decide that they're gonna come out of hiding.
1: Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I I'm not going to criticize the show for that. Every show. No, no, I'm not. That, so. Right,
2: I'm not saying that that's a flaw of the the show necessarily. But I remember thinking that and being like,
1: oh yeah, who's going
2: to tell them? Because he told them not to go out at all. They, they're they're just supposed to order room service. Yeah, but they'll see it on the TV. It'll be in the news. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, but yeah, it, it was it was the ex- the good execution of a scene that I felt like didn't earn the gravity that it was trying to convey hmm. you know um unlike the Frank scene like when he kills Blake and that whole exchange with Jordan and all that stuff I was like I'm totally into this i'm I'm on board with all these characters it feels like we've we've worked our way to this point but with Paul and all the Blackwater stuff it was just you know, I'm not gay, I'm not gay. Hey, old buddy, let's make out for a minute. No, seriously, I'm not gay. Yeah. And then, hey, we've got some pictures of you not being gay, wink, wink. Come to this joint, he shows up and they kill him. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of really the thrust of Paul's art. Because the stuff about the money that was in his wall, that story doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. The relationship with his mother and and fiancé. I mean, again, assuming that we don't cut to the hotel room and they're making out or something. Um, (laughs) Which, again, would probably be better. But, uh, yeah, I just... I I feel like this character's been kind of a disappointment all along the way. And and while, on a technical level, the death of Paul is is interesting, um, I just... I couldn't feel connected to it or excited by it or... Aroused by it, Duncan. <laughs> um,
1: See, I, I was, I, I, I was, I, I, would, I had this happened maybe th- two, three episodes ago. I would have been with you a hundred percent. But I think in the last couple of episodes, we got to spend a bit more time with him. Yeah, he's as shallow as a puddle. He's not. He's not exactly the, the most three dimensional character, and you know, in in the season, he's he really having to compete against. Some pretty phenomenal performances by other actors, but like I say, the fact that I, I thought he was going to die and he managed to survive that only to be shot in the back to me was shocking. I did not yeah. expect. I thought he yeah. was free. I thought we, because think about it, think about it this way. What did True Detective the previous season give us? It gave us a, a sequence where basically we thought. I genuinely thought uh rust was gonna die in that last episode i thought that's what the whole season had set up to do was kill that character off because he had fuck all to live for except that case and bringing down the people responsible and um, and he went basically like a suicide mission for him um that when his character survived i was like oh <laughs> Did not expect that, and it's it's flipped the table on me. We've got one of our main characters being in a position where, you know, I'm like, he's he's gonna he's he's gonna die here. He's gonna die here. Oh no, he survived. All oh, right. Oh well, that makes sense. It's true. Oh no, he's been shot. Um. Oh, and now he's been killed. So right. Just like said, he's been wounded. That was a headshot. He's now dead. He's out of the game. And like I say, that that kind of hit me. And yeah, he's not. It, it wasn't the most interesting character, but. We, we're now we're now stuck with, it's is is deliberately set up that way now that we're stuck with Ray and Annie who have no connections within the police now, so they're now working completely outside of the law, um, and they were they were trying to chase up some answers. We can link this back in now. Basically, when they are when. We we have this this sequence where Ray and Annie are in in the cabin still, and they're waiting to hear back from Paul, and um, they're having some conversations. And Annie's looking at the photograph of Casper, and she she mentions, you know, something bugging me. This woman, this Laura woman, I know her face from somewhere. And um, Ray takes a look and sort that. Of, that's not Laura. That's I want to say Jessica was the name.
2: Uh, i can't remember right we'll say name. it's yeah, jessica
1: yeah. Let's jessica talk yes. uh, jessica that's casper's assistant who we did meet briefly this is a scooby-doo ending that i said was going to happen by the way we did see her briefly in episode one and episode two um specifically on the film set and um what we get out of this is that there's a very good chance that Jessica is the little girl who was orphaned after this this robbery for the blue diamonds. So, if that is the case, she has taken that job with Casper to get close to Casper in order to kill Casper. So I now think she is the killer.
2: Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that if all makes she's sense. She's not it's the killer, if
1: she's not the killer. Her brother is the killer, and they're. I had to do some research, Paul, and there are a lot of rumors and theories flying around the internet that her brother is one of the guys on the film set. That's why we were on the film set. Remember that really weird sequence? Yeah, right. And they briefly, there is a sequence where she walks past a guy who Ray speaks to later on, and the two of them acknowledge each other, Jessica and the guy. So there's a chance that that might be the brother, but I think she is most likely the killer because it makes sense. It makes that's why they only ever went after Casper. They've not went after anyone else. They didn't go after anyone in um Catalyst. They've not went after any of the other players. They killed them and they killed him in a pretty horrible way. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like oh it's a revenge killing, basically. It's not an occult killing at all. It's a revenge killing. Um so yeah, so that's that's the theory. We'll leave that there just now. But basically we have we have this I, I'm assuming this is a sequence you hated which is with Ree and annie and them um, eventually having sex do do you have issue with this sir i
2: have yes because all right so this happens uh is the i'm I, i'm trying to remember the chronology now since it's been a grand total of four days yeah. uh and you know so this... how things get confused so <laughs> is it is it paul's death first or does the the episode end with that i can't
1: remember um Right, it doesn't. It doesn't end with them having sex. It ends with the Frank stuff we're about to go and talk about. Oh, okay, okay, fair but enough. All right, but right. they're having sex when Paul dies.
2: Yes, that's right. That's right.
1: So, yeah, here's
2: my problem with this scene, Duncan, and then you can tell me why I'm wrong, and right. and and I hope you convince me of it.
1: Uh, well, I've, I've got a strong theory as to to why this. Well, I've got a strong reason why I think this is completely acceptable. So,
2: okay. So, my problem with the scene is that, first of all, there was never a moment once on this show, nor in my walking around time outside of it, where I thought, you know, I bet Annie and Ray are going to get together in this show. Really? Not one time. It oh, just, I, okay. I didn't feel
1: like there was any sexual tension between them at all. I, d- I didn't think there was necessarily any sexual tension, but they care for each other.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if we're talking about this sexual encounter as some sort of like joint survivor group meeting that just happens to involve penetration, I'm probably more on board
1: with it. Yeah, well, that's. But I think that's the point. Just before they have sex, they both basically sit there and acknowledge to each other that there is nowhere to this for them other than death. Yeah, uh, fair and enough. And they sleep yeah. together. So to me, that that that's perfectly reasonable. You know, it's almost like the last night. Right, you're, right. If you have one thing you can do, you know, before you you're dead, and you're stuck in a room with a, a attract attractive stabby woman, then you have sex with her. Obviously, make sure the knives are in the drawer. Yeah, um, I mean,
2: if it were you or I, of course. Yeah, because that's, that's, we, we both love attractive stabby women, as we've said yeah, many uh, times.
1: Of course, that's uh, you know, I once had an okay cupid profile, and that was in the. What do you look for in a woman? Stabby. That was you know, <laughs> st-
2: stabby and preferably molested is what yeah, I'm looking that- for.
1: was the top it was the top two choices Uh, right enough they weren't in the tick boxes they were custom ones i had to type in um and believe it or not i didn't get any hits on it but uh, yeah that's that's the way i look at that sequence i know if you take that if you take that conversation they have out i don't buy that sequence because ray could have had sex with her earlier on and basically put her down in a way which made me think there was no sexual attraction there to an extent you know he did the right things or you know not in my league you're better than me and all the rest but the, the the preceding conversation between the two of them is is one where they both acknowledge that they are fucked there, there is there's there's no way they can't they, they can't get that information to the police because the police is not an option to them um they they're they're stuck and the, you know with this they're stuck trying to get this in a a way where they're be at one point they're basically saying well if we can find if we can get Paul to find the woman then we can find the woman and then we can go to the news and maybe if we go to the news and if anything happens to us I mean Ray says that if they get arrested they won't see trial so you know he's acknowledging that there is no way out for them as soon as the police get their hands on them they'll make them disappear so the fact that they then have sex after that. Uh that doesn't it's not even an issue to me. I just think, well yeah, I probably do the same.
2: Yeah, I'm I and you make a pretty good case for it. I guess my big hang up is you know, a few hours before he he wasn't going to have sex with her because yeah. she's damaged. She's been through all this shit. And I guess maybe there is an element of like, ah, oh, you know, fuck it, let's screw just for the sake of doing it one more time before we theoretically yeah. die. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know, I mean, it just, the, the entire time that scene is going down, I just keep thinking like, why is it okay now? You yeah, know?
1: Yeah. and I know, I know what you mean. And I, I, like I say, like when, when you were talking earlier on about when he turned her down and there was a specific scene you were going to talk about, uh, you know, I knew you were going to mention about them having sex because I, I thought, that, I, I mean, that thought did kind of go through my head as well. But like I say, I think they do enough. Maybe it's not fully adequate, but I think they do enough to diffuse that issue with the preceding conversation, and that builds up. It's not as if one minute they're sitting there and the next minute they're having sex. The the conversation they have basically builds into a point where they, you know, they they reach out, they touch each other's hands, and then it builds from there. But that conversation is about how there is nothing left for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, as characters, so to me, them having sex is is almost logical. You know, I would I would be questioning why they weren't having sex at that point. If you have nothing left to live for, if if you are basically in a position where you really think there's a very good chance you're not going to be able to satisfactorily solve the case. Um, in a position where you're going to live beyond that and your days are numbered. And if you're going to rest and you're going to die, I would be fucking. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, it just, to me, wasn't an issue. Well, I, I know where you're, I, 100% I know where you're coming from because this episode is bookmarked by them not having sex and re-putting her down to them having sex at the end. And all of a sudden it's acceptable. But like I say, I think there's enough in there. That you you can
2: justify it certainly, like you yeah. you you can explain this behavior. I don't know that it rings true to me. Yeah, I, I mean I agree with what you're saying. I think I think on paper probably everything you're saying is absolutely right. In the conversation that they have that leads up to uh, the getting down, as mm-hmm. we call it here here in America, <laughs> uh, that yes, that does justify the action on an intellectual level right but i i just never felt like this this means anything between these characters other than it's just this last desperate act maybe it would be it would be similar to like if butch cassidy and the sundance kid were gay Yeah, yeah and and sundance it had turned out had been molested (laughs) <laughs> and really. Sundance tries to like reach down the front of uh Paul Newman's chinos and he's like no 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 you were molested and you know come on Sundance you need some time to recover and then like as soon as they go in the bank in Venezuela it's like well Butch I guess we're gonna fuck now
1: yeah. you know <laughs>
2: as soon as we walk out this door it's nothing but federales so let's get it on
1: yeah I'll I feel I'd like let's put this way if in the next episode the two of them are all lovey dovey. Then yes, I will be pissed off, but I don't see the actions yeah, I don't of think having that. sex being being in any way the start of a relationship. I see it as being almost, um it's almost twofold. It's a way to to take their mind off the fact that you, you know their time on the planet might be kind of shortened, <laughs> and at the same and at the same time. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, I, I mean, Annie, we've found out in the previous ones, got a bit of a kink on there, and she's slept with everyone, so it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I love the fact that, um, I, I kind of felt like there was a specific comment from, uh, Nick Pisolato, um, like, in the episode where Annie is talking to the woman she has saved, and they, she basically says, maybe God put you on the planet for something more than fucking, um, and she says, you know, everything's about fucking. And I get the, I get the feeling that, like, the, the previous season of True Detective, Nick Pizzolatto got raked across the coals because apparently there was no strong females in that show. Um, and I kind of get the feeling that that's him just inserting a little, yeah, I know, I know what you think. You think that, I, and you could probably still put the argument forward that he's maybe not <laughs> the, the greatest at writing female characters. Yeah. But, um I kind of felt like it felt like such a strong statement that I kind of think that he put that in there deliberately just as a a fuck you to people that had said things. Now the fact that his female character in this show um, is incredibly masculine uh, with her traits um, is another matter. But yeah, I never, I never really, I never. It never annoyed me. Let me put it that way. I wasn't. I'm not saying I 100 percent think it's a satisfactory way to do things on the show. But I never. I was not hung up at the end of it, going, "Well, you know, I think that's just a step too far." You know, or yeah, I don't think it's earned it or whatnot. I I kind of think, like I say, the preceding conversation for me was enough to make me think I can live with this. I can live with this sequence because um, the next the next episode I imagine is all going to be shot in one day. So, you know, the next the episode is all going to be set in one day time frame, because um, that's when the deal is going down, which we're about to talk about with Frank. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you, you have softened my position a bit on this sex scene. Right. Uh, So well done. But, but screw this. Let's talk about the awesome stuff that happens with Frank.
1: Right. So Frank, Frank, I, I love... I love how Frank has been like a character that I have kind of gravitated to pretty quick in the season and we've followed him through. And now this is this is Frank basically not reclaiming his throne, but this is this is Frank going like this is Frank just basically leveling the playing field. Right. He's, he's, he's back against the wall. He's lost everything. His club's been taken away from him. The, the Russian that comes in to speak to him, uh, basically tells him, you know, you're taking this very well, Frank, because Frank is, Frank knows the deal. Frank knows everything, but the Russian doesn't know that Frank knows everything. Um and he tells him he can put him on a salary and he can work the floors in one of the casinos. Like the most degrading things. He's very patronizing, you know, I say, Frank knows business. Yes. You know, this sort of thing. And, um, Frank's kind of just yep, yeah, yep, yeah, smiling. Oh, that's tear health. Yeah, let's drink. Yep, yeah, yep yeah, with that. And then Frank switches into Operation Blow a lot of shit up. Um, and that's. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that they had like a Manila envelope in the back, which he opened up, and he was like, "All right, we have Plan A, which is Operation Status Quo. We have Plan B, uh, Operation Open an Applebee's, and we have Plan C, Operation Blow shit up." I think I'm going to go with Plan C. And um so the he's basically lost his casino. So the Russians are now the security in the casino and running all the bits and bobs. And he comes out and tells one of the guys there's a gas leak. We need to evacuate this place. So he evacuates this place. Frank goes into the back, empties the safe, puts it in a bag, comes walking out. The Russian says, I've spoken to... um the 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 head Russian dude and he's asked me where is this, this gas coming from? Frank without blinking, boom, bullet right through the side of the head. Mm-hmm. Means business. Walks through in the kitchen, tears the gas line, there's your fucking gas fucker. Uh, pulls pulls an electric wire out. He's basically gonna level that casino. And then he's not finished yet, Bo. He
2: oh, goes to the no?
1: Goes to, <laughs> no he's not finished. That, that seems like a, little, like a lot Duncan that's, that's, that's a big that's, day. <laughs> I said uh, Operation blows shit up, which you know, he you, 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 makes you think there's more than one thing going to get blown up. So he's going to blow up one Mo- multiple
2: um, shits, yes.
1: Yeah, multiple shits. So he goes from there to the next club, um, and he empties, <laughs> basically empties the 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 contents of the safe in there. Um, walks out there, uh, pours a lot of alcohol on the ground, sets it alight. Oh, uh, Duncan, w-
2: don't tell me you're trying to blame it on the alcohol.
1: Uh, no.
2: <laughs> sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: <laughs> blame, well i could blame it on the boogie if you want bo um, so i, didn't see I
2: did see that yeah as, as long
1: as you saw it, I, I get the feeling that we've now lost most of our listeners so hit pause right and right said, like, fuck this show i thought we were talking about true detective not bad music references so anyway, he, he does that. He walks past, sets all the, the, turns all the stoves on, and then we see a sequence of him sitting on a hill, drinking some drink, looking at the spectacle of what he's created, which is a lot of fucking big buildings getting burned to the ground. He basically pulled a fight club in this, didn't he? Just destroyed all, all the, the all, all the abilities to make money if you're a criminal in that city in one film move. Um, and I loved it. I I lo I love that aspect. He's he has torched what has been taken away from him so no one else can profit from it. Uh it's a great way to weaken the Russians' position. He now knows that there's a deal going down the following day. He knows where the deal is going down, he knows the Russians gonna be there, he knows Catalyst is gonna be there, and he knows twelve million's gonna be there. And I get the feeling, Bo that he may also be in attendance, that is all I'm saying but this sequence was fucking brilliant it, it, it's great to see it's great to see Frank almost shrug off the vulnerability the character has and he's he's back to being a criminal He's one hundred percent criminal in the sequence, but he's not your average criminal. He's an intelligent guy. We know that from some of the conversations he's been having, anyway. But he's planned everything out. He's got his whole plan worked out. He's the gears are already set in motion, and now, now we move into the last episode, knowing very well that he has an exit strategy. All he needs to do is get through, you know, killing the, the Russians. Right getting Man. his money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hard part is still to happen.
2: Yeah, the maelstrom of bullets that is sure to come when he tries to take this money. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, Frank is much like the other characters on the show. They're all kind of locked into this suicide mission. Yeah. Even though they're different missions, I, you know, I I'm also going to speculate, Duncan, that perhaps maybe they all end up in the same place together at some point.
1: I would imagine so. I also want to speculate that I don't think all three of them will survive. No, I, I, I personally would like to see Frank walk away from this.
0: Uh,
2: Julie,
0: <laughs> Yeah. I, I would
1: like to see Ray walk away from it. And Ray's the only character I would like to Like Frank, yeah, I love Frank as a character. But to me, Frank is the sort of guy that will die doing something noble. You know what I mean? As the Maybe final, so. yeah, yeah. as the final character arc for him, he'll die saving Ray's life, and that'll that'll make up for the fucking the 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 nine years of which he's had Ray at his back and call doing all these dirty jobs for him. As he'll you know, he'll ultimately he'll ultimately make, uh, ultimately make that sacrifice, and the may all three of them might end up surviving. I just don't know. I I feel the show has been so. So dark this season and so pessimistic and so moody and so, so glum that I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Like the previous season had that that silver lining at the very end that whilst, yeah, there were still guys out there that were doing horrible things. The fact that at the end, even someone as cynical and battered and beaten as Cole could see the silver lining on the cloud you know i mean was was like it kind of felt like the right end into that show i know a lot of people bitched about the end in a true detective because they didn't think it was in keeping with cole's character to be so chipper at the end um and I wouldn't well relatively call him a chipper. chipper yeah, yeah I, wouldn't call him a, I wouldn't i wouldn't say he was like oh like i'm singing in the rain and shit like that at the end um but i i This one, I just can't see there being necessary. The only character that can potentially have a happy ending out the three is Frank. He's the only one that can have a happy ending because he's got his exit strategy planned. He's got money, he's got unless he takes unless he transfers, I don't know, unless he transfers, oh, I never thought of that actually. Maybe he transfers the ticket names for Ray and Annie.
2: Uh, possible. Well, I, well, I, I, don't, I don't know that... that he, yeah, I don't know that he's that selfless, you know? No, no, like,
1: no, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've answered one question. He had booked the tickets for other people, and that's why I asked if he could change the name, because you'd have to change him. I oh, know, but he's getting a fake passport. That seemed like a weird question. But anyway, yeah, so, I mean, I can't see it ending. I can't see this show ending in a position with a happy end at all.
2: Yeah, yeah, like, the ending of... Season one, like you said, is a happy ending only relative to every episode that came before it.
1: Like yeah, if you and just, it's relative just, to those two characters. Yes, yes. The, the rest of the world is still a scummy place, and Tuttle is still raping kids and murdering them. You know, that's that's still that's still happening. You know what I mean? It just so happens that our two characters have managed to put to bed one the, the one crime right. that you know the, but they've not got they've not brought them the sprawl or the web um that they they've found
2: like. yeah a measure of peace in a world that is is dark and ugly
1: yeah uh, and i think I think that we're likely to get a similar situation here, but I can't imagine it being I, I yeah I just don't imagine all three characters surviving um furthermore um i think to me this episode did a massive Info dump for us, you know. It really did make sure that if you were struggling with particular aspects of the show, it really went out its way to tie up those aspects. It really went out its way to explain kind of why a, a strong theory as to why Casper died, um, who could be potentially behind that, um, the the link between uh, Chisani's son um, Blake, the Russian guy. Catalyst, it basically spell it out to you in such a way where it carried you through all these different elements. Um, that next episode is going to be a Ray and Annie's hunt for Jessica, if that is her real name. If that is your real name. Um, that's a reference to Duncan and Bo that we recorded yes. with Dr. <laughs> um, so if you've heard that, that would make sense. If you haven't, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's. You know, we're going to have them try to track down the Jessica character, which I think will close the aspect of who the killer is. The, the, you know, that side of the story, while you will have Frank going headlong at the Russians and Catalyst um, kind of taking down that aspect of the story. Um, and then we'll see who who is left when the, the, the dust settles. But all in all, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought... It did what it needed to do. It got rid of characters we no longer need in here. It got them the fuck out the show. It kind of... Even Paul, to an extent, you know, it got him out the show. Um, It moved forward with this idea of we now have a kind of theory... Um, on who the killer might be uh, again like a slightly more stronger one um, it, it dealt with the Frank issue we now know why Casper was murdered supposedly we now know the factors behind it that, that benefited it, we, we, we're kind of working in a way where it's it looks like it's moving in. Uh, we're kind of all coming off different junctions of a road just now onto one single road now and we're moving straight towards that last episode and I am still I I I am still very excited and incredibly optimistic. I mean the guy the showrunner uh for this this particular show HBO I that this season hasn't done particularly well in comparison to the previous one but has greenlit a season 3 if Nick Pizzolato wants to do it. Um, He said there will be a season 3 on HBO. He also said in the interview that he'd seen the last two episodes and the last two episodes were phenomenal. And the first one that I've seen, this second to last episode, I thought was really good. That I'm really looking forward to the last episode. To finally tie up a lot of these questions, but... You know what's going to happen to Frank? What's going to happen to Annie? What's going to happen to Ray? What's the fallout? Uh, you know, from what's happened to Paul? How's it all going to tie in? Are we going to find out who our crow crowhead killer is? Are we going to get a justifiable reason for that? What's going to happen with the hard drive, the blue diamonds, catalyst, um, the Russian dude? You know, there's so many questions still left to answer, and we have one hour of television and that one hour of television better be crammed or there's going to be a lot of questions unanswered by the end of it. So, and you are maybe slightly more warmer towards this episode than we started. Hopefully.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to suggest that I outright hated the, this episode walking into this because uh-huh. all the prank stuff I was totally on board with, um, you know i had problems with some other moments uh throughout the episode but like i said it's been a good analog to how i felt about the season as a whole which yeah. is there are great there are great things about it and there are things about it that i'm really engaged with and i'm really excited to see uh the the denouement of, of this uh Yeah. show um, there are other things about it that ring a little hollow and false and and seem to be threads of story that ultimately go nowhere. Um, and not in the way of like, hey, this is a mystery, so of course there are MacGuffins and red herrings and, and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I mean, just like a lot of the stuff with Paul's character just doesn't really seem to be all that meaningful uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of being invested heavily in a series you know uh i will invoke uh true detective season one only one more time in this episode and that's just to say you know the contrast being in the first episode i was so interested in the characters themselves their their views of the world that they lived in Mm -hmm. and how they they moved within it that this season has has showed me that nick pizzolato doesn't do that naturally you know or yeah. at least at, at least doesn't do it uh as consistently as maybe i had hoped you know where he just can't sit down in front of a computer or something without creating something that's genius um yeah. so yeah yeah i mean much like much like the whole season this episode i enjoyed a lot of it and the parts of it that i enjoyed were more than enough for me to keep moving through the episode Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wish, I wish it gave a little more attention and a little more care to what was going on inside these characters instead of just having them kind of grunt at one another and look sad and depressed,
1: uh, yeah, which yeah.
2: seems to be largely how things happen. Like, you know, the, I'm a bad man. No, you're not. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, which isn't terrible on its face. I'm just, I, I just wish there were more to hang my hat on in terms of like being able to describe succinctly exactly how Ray views the world because it's changed so much this season and we haven't we don't have the luxury of having a a rust Cole who is going to tell you exactly what's on his mind you know uh, Colin Farrell fortunately is a good enough actor that I, I don't walk away from any episode confused as to why Ray behaved the way he did yeah but uh, but sometimes I do that with Annie a little bit. Certainly with Paul.
1: She she's yeah. D- d- Annie's a a weird character for me overall. I, she's been she's been a character who at the very start was incredibly interesting to me, and then she went through a couple of episodes where I I wasn't quite sure the purpose you know of the character, um, other than to have a female in his like main cast, which was his criticism in the previous uh the previous season um and she's kind of come back at the end there I've, I, I quite liked that there was certain aspects of this this particular episode that i thought were really interesting again the 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 twin pixie sort of feel kind of carried on in this episode with like um there's the use of the soundtrack especially um at times, felt kind of like uh, what's his name, uh, Bagley Metal, um, the the guy that did uh, the Twin Peaks soundtrack. There were certain, there were certain specific instrumentation choices that felt kind kind of Twin Peaksy. But the sequence with, um, and I've been wanting to say this all season, by the way. Uh, this particular phrase that's coming up though, um, the sequence over the table with Annie and Ray speaking to each other and drinking with the neon light just on the outside coming in felt incredibly Michael Mann. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I've been wanting to see Michael Mann since I saw the poster for this show months ago with the neon lights and the fact it was going to be set in LA and I was like oh Michael Mann um, there there was something in there like I I, I very much nodded to that which was one of the things I was kind of hoping the show would touch on I don't think there's been enough of that in the show um, but those elements are still there and whether it's in choice of um, score or the way certain shots have been set up. The fact that they're still nodding to the kind of Lynching thing, Michael Mann thing throughout the show, just nods without without like blatantly ripping off. I I've enjoyed. I've I've enjoyed those aspects. Overall, I'm still sitting about an 80% for this season. Um there the are aspects I think are have been unfortunate. Um <laughs>
2: <laughs> to, to say, do to do say, you want to use the euphemism interesting as well?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and interesting and unfortunate. But there are there are elements which I think could have been a, a lot stronger, but I can kind of see why Pizzolatto went for four main characters because his previous show had two main characters. And if you do another show, it's the second season has two main characters, you're basically... Tarring yourself with it, the same criticism is going to be flung at him regardless what he does because he made pretty much a damn near perfect TV show. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. It's never, it was never going to. Yeah, we said at the start. I, I never expected this to be, you know, True Detective season one. Never expected it. I, I, in the back, I, I was kind of pensive in a way where I was like, that I, I so want it to be just as good if not even better if that's possible but i never expected it to it's kind of lived within my expectations if i'm honest i've i never thought it was going to be it's not the best tv i've seen this year um by any stretch of the imagination that is certainly 100 percent with hannibal hannibal's been my bag all the way season three is has made me so happy in so many ways um that i'm despairing that you know there's it's unlikely i'm going to see that show for a while now um But that show has stolen it for me this year. And True Detective is probably not even going to make my top three or four TV shows at the end of this year. But there's been plenty in the season that I, that I, I want to talk about and we've done it on here and um, there's been plenty of aspects in it individual set pieces particular character arcs the, certain actors choices <clears throat> which have proved to be really interesting the fact that once again it just reaffirms to me that Colin Farrell is a fucking phenomenal actor mm-hmm. and his, his scope of acting is incredible And I still don't think he gets enough credit. Um, And it's been a joy to see Vince Vaughn really throw himself into something far more serious and be able to play... Not only... I mean, he plays goofy. He's been playing... It's kind of like that way where you watch Dexter season four and John Lithgow was one of the creepiest things you'd ever seen on television. But prior to that, he'd been doing third rock from the sun for 10 years as a fucking bumbling buffoon. And It's those sort of things that I think that the fact the frank character has been really well written but vaughn has has really risen into that and just allowed himself to settle in and he lost weight for the role and he's he looks mean and he looks determined and i love that aspect as well so my, my my thought has always been when it comes to any season two of a show is that it's difficult because it is especially when you've got the same people involved, the same writer involved. um, It's difficult to move ahead with these things because you have established yourself in such a way, if you are True Detective, which the expectations on a second season are so unrealistically high. You know what I mean? I think this show had more pressure on it than I can think of any show
0: Ever. Oh, yeah. I can't sure, think of
1: I, sure. I've never I've never watched a TV show where the second season's come around where I put so much pressure on it delivering week on week to the extent that I have on this. And it's it's not fair to an extent. Uh, you know, in any I mean, other, I blame
2: you. I, I've been saying all along,
1: Duncan, uh, yeah. give this show a shot, will you? It, in any in any fair just world this would have been season one and season one would have been season two and then you would have yeah. seen the gradual rise of a show which had some really cool solid elements And then the second season went for it but it's not went that way and i if if, if at the end of this season hbo say nick pizzolato is returning true detective season three i am there i am there the assuming you haven't checked out, you will be there and this show will, will run again for another season. Do you know something I don't? Do you think I'm gonna die? I, I don't know. Maybe you have just decided that you no longer want to talk about True Detective. Oh maybe no, I thought you episode, meant... Oh no, checked out as in checked out from the show, as in not doing it anymore. Not checked out as in uh, moved on to another plane of existence. But, right,
2: bereft um, of life, I rest in peace.
1: Yeah, yeah, not not that extreme. Um, but yeah, I've I totally... I'm looking forward to the announcement of a season three. I can't wait to see where it's set. I can't wait to see who the pickers are cast and I can't wait to see what story it is. But we have a whole episode to go until then. Yep. And I am going into the last episode with my most optimistic mindset of any episode in this season. I think they're going to land strong. I think they're going to really, really, really bring it in. Um, it's worth noting that... I really enjoyed the direction in this this episode. Uh, I thought it was quite understated without, you know, the certain sequences I was talking about in the woods, which had a kind of Twin pixie feel. The certain sequences in the hotel that had the kind of Michael Mann feel. It was all very well destruct- uh, constructed and very well shot. And uh, the director is Daniel Attias, um, who uh, worked on The Wire. And also um, owes had-
2: me $10. Just throwing it out there, but that's true. That's a fact.
1: <laughs> and The Sopranos and Six Feet Under and Homeland, so he's heavily rooted in television, but he's heavy, heavily rooted in interesting television. So I thought it was really cool. Uh, the direction on the show, like I say, the score was excellent as well. I, I Yeah, I'm going, in, I'm going in incredibly positive. I know there's a lot of people that have had enough of this show. I haven't. I want to see how it finishes and... Like I say, I think think that next week when we have this conversation and we ultimately not only review the episode, but we'll have to talk about the season as a whole, um, I think that I will still... If I can still say that I've enjoyed the show 80%, that's a high scoring for a show. 80% is a high scoring. And those 20% are just going to be sequences that I didn't think needed to be in the show, maybe a couple of pacing issues and probably the Paul character. Even though I was a bit gutted when he died, I still question the choice to make that um uh, I kinda uh, one of the more main cast members that to me still feels like it should have been a secondary. A secondary cast, you know, someone that they have to deal with who, you know, he found the body but he's not dragged into the investigation and we kind of follow him in the background is like the sub-story that's running through it, a subplot to the, the overall TV show. Out with that, I'm, I'm digging it, I, I think, yeah, I, I think Pizzolatto should feel on some level relieved that he's managed to get his second season out. But if I was him, he's gonna—he's—he's he's been getting a hell of a lot of criticism. Been a lot of armchair reviewers bashing the shit out of this show. If I was him, I wouldn't listen to any of that. I'd get my head back down and get the next story written. And I can't wait to watch it. If you could bring back Russ Cole, I would be even happier. Uh, what if, if they do ask, that? What if
2: season three is just like oh, season one part two?
1: I'd see what would make me happier than anything in the world. See if at the end of this episode. We find out that Catalyst is the new name for the Tuttle organization, and Ray kinda of fucking just at the end of this is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna take down this group and then he goes off into the distance and then the next season starts off with Ray meeting Rust and the two of them bring in the, I, that would be the best fucking show I, ever yeah. made.
2: I would I would completely turn around on this season, my my head would pop off my neck like I'm a, a pez or something. And I mean, uh, yeah, just, I, I I would just I wouldn't do nothing but hang out outside Nick Pizzolatto's house until he gave me the scripts, and then I would wait there until it, they were filmed, and then I would watch them all, and yeah. and then he and I would become friends. That's I how mean, that the, story goes.
1: I mean, you tend to, you've seen it, and there are other shows that I've done. I mean, American Horror Story, the, the the new season's about to start very soon for that. But the guy has already said, and he's done it with some characters that are characters that have appeared in other seasons, that that's all set in the same universe. There's nothing to stop you thinking that maybe true detectives all set in the one universe. And I think that'd be pretty cool as well. God damn That would be good. Nods to other things like that. I mean that's that's the sort of thing I would like to And authors do that. And that's what Pizzolato is first and foremost. Crime authors have a tendency to do that. They will link things in to their novels, characters that appear in other, you know, in other novels that they've got and stuff. So if they could do that, that'd be really cool. But yeah.
2: Yeah. Talk about your unreasonable expectations though. If you announced that True Detective Season Three was McConaughey and Colin Farrell reprising their roles from one and two. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my god. But
1: also also, how how glum would that show be? The kind of glum I could get behind. (laughs) Just like it. finish every week and you'd just be like Fuck my life, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was
2: just like, this is all meaningless. We are nothing but a rock hurtling around a dying star, and that's the best possible read of this scenario. Everything else goes down from there.
1: You wouldn't have have the three Operation Manila envelopes that um, Frank has. You would have three boxes in front of you. One would have a gun. The other one would have a noose, and the third one would have cyanide. And you'd, when the episode finished, you'd have to choose which way you think you want to go. Uh, life is not worth living. And you never know. I don't know. Stranger th- stranger things have happened in television. Um, I mean, are you still sitting? I mean, kind of wrapping up the episode. But are you, where's your enjoyment level overall? I, I, would
2: s- I would say at this point, I'm sitting around a 70.
0: Uh, right,
2: right, and which is I, I, again, I think fair. It 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 recognizes the problems that I see in the season, but yeah, I mean, there are still things about it that I really, really like. I I wish the show capitalized on those things a, a bit more. Yeah, but you know, and that first episode, I don't, I, I'm still of the opinion that that first episode is largely a waste. Um,
1: yeah, I I still I I, I think my personal opinion like i say i did the the episode one and two into each other and i didn't dislike the the first episode as much watching it in that capacity that i what i'm really looking forward to is getting the blu-ray and sitting down just picking a day and sitting down like i did with true detective when i got it on blu-ray and just watching all so one giant film to see how it actually does flow you know does it does it do certain aspects that have been annoying me in certain episodes in the grand scheme of one long session of watching them do they still irritate me as much or do they they kind of find their place in the order if you know what I mean or if I watch it again I'm like yeah that whole first hour could have been condensed into 20 minutes. Um, kind of feels which is my that opinion, way but, yeah. yeah, which is how I, st- how I feel just now. I still, uh, my opinion still hasn't changed. It, it flows, it flows really well into episode two, um, but there was still whole aspects of that first episode which I was like, why are we taking? What you know, ultimately when we find that body at the end, why have we taken so long to get to that body? we could have done this halfway through the episode and continued on with it. Because the first 10-15 minutes of episode 2 basically feel like the natural end to episode 1. It's like they couldn't fit it in so they tagged it on. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll be back next week. I think it's worthwhile saying, though, Bo, at this juncture, that um, both you and myself do a show called Duncan and Bo Come Correct. I've heard Uh, of that. It's apparently um, an award-winning show, and by (laughs) award-winning... I mean, we have printed off a Microsoft do it yourself certificate saying you're oh, an A1 podcaster. I thought you meant that
2: I had sent you a trophy, and therefore, oh no, that's
1: yeah. Well, we could do that as well. That makes more sense actually. Let's try that. Uh, so we're an award-winning show because I won season one, and Bob bought me the most insane, batshit, crazy fucking trophy ever.
2: It's the uh, best. I, it is the best. It,
1: it, it's really good. Uh, and if you win season two, you uh, know so I said? If uh, you win season two, I'll need to come up with something just as creative. But um, on that show, each week that we do it, which is not every week, um, we pick a genre of cinema, we recommend movies the other one hasn't seen, and then we discuss who had the better suggestion, or who in fact came most correct. Um, and that show, we will have a new one dropping probably. By the time the T- you this hear this, episode. yeah. Yeah, and that one, we deal with war. Uh, and that was a really fucking good episode. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And we got to talk about two pretty fucking awesome movies um, that are totally worth your time. So you should check out that show. Um, and let us know what you think. As always, you can leave us feedback on the Legion Podcast webpage, which we've had some in the past. You can leave it, leave it on the Facebook page for Legion Podcasts. Um, you can send us a tweet uh, at Legion Podcasts. Um, and once again, let us know what you think. We are one episode away. Do you have any more theories? Anything that we have missed that is blatantly obvious that me and Bo have spent so much time talking about other things we have missed? Or um, are, are any of that sort of shit? Let us know. Because uh, it's always great to hear from you, and uh, you can hear us uh, on an upcoming episode of Duncan and Bo. Come correct anything you want to add at the end here, Bo. Uh
2: yeah. Uh, also, the podcast under the stairs, not on Legion Podcast. Well, it is, but it, it's co-hosted. Anyway, go to Legion Podcast. See, uh, <laughs> you'll you'll see there the the podcast under the stairs. Um, Duncan here is doing a a, a top ten uh, run right now. But unlike a bunch of uh, the crap clickbaity top ten lists, this is the top ten Christopher Lee performances versus the top ten Vincent Price performances. Yeah, uh, and in the
1: horror category in the horror,
2: horror in the horror category, category of course. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I I do appear on one of those episodes. That's not why I'm telling you to listen to it. I'm telling you to listen to it because uh, they are interesting conversations and and. The discussions of the performances in these films, in particular, because that's the contest—not what's the better movie, who who's yeah. the better actor uh, in in the films that uh, they star in—it's uh, really something. It, it, it's a it's been a fun series. I've enjoyed listening to it. I, I very much enjoyed being part of it, and and was very flattered. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't listened to any of that stuff and uh, doing the nasty. Yeah, uh, yeah which is is slowly coming to its end as well as as yeah. duncan looks at uh this this officially is not on legion podcast but if you go to horophilia.net dot net i wanna uh, say dot com? Dot dot com com
1: com or yeah, okay.
2: yeah, uh or just go to iTunes and look for uh for doing the nasty and it is uh duncan's look at uh the the video nasties the list of banned and and scorned and ridiculed <laughs> and look down the nose at films that uh, made their way into the UK so um, yeah so I you know I felt like I, you weren't doing enough of your own promotion, promotion Duncan so I needed to step in
1: oh thank you thank you that's very kind very ki- you're a very kind man Bo you're a very kind man on the podcast I am. you're a bastard and... <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch I told
2: you not to tell anyone about doing the nasty
1: yeah don't you talk about my other shows <laughs> Right. <laughs> Don't even look at them.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Go stop. to your corner. Oh my god! Yeah, so we're going to be back next week. We're going to close out these Legion quickies. Uh, I think we have floated an idea, though. Uh, we mentioned it on the most up, uh, most recent up and coming Duncan and Bo. Come correct that. This will be something we're going to try again next year probably and we're probably going to kick it off with the X-Files which I can't wait for so that's January so uh, I'm looking forward to that and then possibly maybe even take a little look at Twin Peaks when when it comes back as well so um that's another thing. If there's any television shows that are coming up really soon that look really fucking cool, uh, that you might want to pose to me and Bo as a suggestion for us to maybe come back and do one of these again, feel free to launch them. Uh, we'll look at them, and if we if we think they're a good idea, we might do that as well. So yeah. you, never, you never know. Never know. There's plenty of things out there. You're, Loads you're, of telly.
2: You're going to get a bunch of anonymous submissions now that we should do uh, every episode of The Flash.
1: Oh, God, no no that's not happening i did see actually that netflix in the uk have put up season one of gotham uh, and i'm thinking thinking about taking the plunge on that just because uh um i just because i want to see what all the fuss is about uh
2: Uh, i didn't make it much past like this i don't want to say i made it till about the fourth or fifth episode and i was like there's like 22
1: there's 22 episodes in season one so i'll probably try my way through that anyway and uh get to the end, and then I'll make up my mind. I do that. I tend not to check out at TV shows. That's my curse. Um, I tend to watch them to the end. Uh, unless they get cancelled. And then I'm like, fuck you, TV show. Um, but yeah, so... Um... <laughs>
2: that That's your traditional curse. I can't stop watching a television show and lycanthropy. Two things Duncan can't seem to get away from. Oh! Um,
1: but anyways... I was like... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go right now. Um, I what would you like to take back to the listeners. of will uh, <laughs> speak to you later. Bye. <laughs> I can't
2: believe you howled. This has been a Legion podcast. Ooh, quickie.